Remember last week, my challenge was this. Like sometimes when people go, oh, pastor, that was a good message. And good means that like, man, you lined up with everything I believe in and, and you lined up with everything I learned, you know, growing up. Um, I, I'm guessing that today is going to be one of those messages that are kind of going to push you a little bit. Um, so can you let, can I, do I have the permission right off the bat to push a little bit? All right. It's going to be scripturally based. So don't be like, oh, you know, heresy. No, 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 nothing like that. Uh, but let that's this morning's message be challenging. And, and I'll just give you the title right off the bat. It's called um, How to Trust People Again. I know I just watched some of your faces go, dang. <laughs> that's good. We're starting off on the right track. Um, and I want to read from, from, from three chunks here in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 17. Starting at verse 7, listen to this. It says this. Blessed is the man or woman. We're not sexist here at Fervent Church. Blessed is the man or woman who trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He or she is like a, like a tree planted by the water that sends out its fruits by the stream and does not fear when he comes for, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. How many of you feel like you're in a year of drought? We're coming out of a year of drought. We're not anxious in the year of drought. Why? Because blessed is the person whose trust in the Lord, but actually whose trust is the Lord. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's Jeremiah. Let me read Psalms 56. It says this, when I am afraid, who's afraid this morning? This is what scripture tells us. I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So here we know like, okay, when I feel like there's a drought, when I feel like it's a dry season, what do I need to do? I need to be a blessed person. How do I be a blessed person? I need to trust in God. That's what Jeremiah says. And, and Psalms tells us, hey, when I'm afraid, what do I need to do? I need to trust in God. Last one, Proverbs. And some of you are familiar with this. Maybe you have like a little knickknack in your house that says this little Bible verse, right? Who shops at home goods? Where are my home's goods people at? You might, you might have found something like this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Ooh, that's hard. And to lean not on my own understanding. This is what scripture tells us to do. So if you catch the theme here, we're going to lean, we're going to work hard on figuring out how to trust God more. Because it's hard. Look to the person next to you and say, it's hard. This is an extreme sport we're living in. But I believe wholeheartedly that you're here today because you want to experience the presence of God and you want to be transformed by his word. Amen? So loud and proud, say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And give it up for my man, Bart. He always makes me sound holier than I am. And he always has the luscious beard. Anybody got beard envy? Look at that beard just glistening with all the oils in scripture, frankincense and myrrh. It's just found in my man's beard. It's crazy. <laughs> How to trust people 
again. Which implies, I was intentional with every syllable in that phrase. How to trust people again, because at one point in our lives, I do believe that we all trusted someone. We did. I believe wholeheartedly that it's actually an innate thing, that, that we're born with this capacity to trust people. When you were born, when you were a baby, you're, you're, you were born with this trust in your parents. They might have messed it up and broke it, but you were born with this trust. My son, my oldest son, little skinny boy playing bass today. Don't clap for him. He's, he's, he's keep him humble. <laughs> my man was 10 pounds when he was a baby. Indestructible. Indestructible. I know you're looking at him now like, do you feed him? Yes, we feed him. Trust me, we feed him. Especially his grandma's right there. She feeds him. In the Spanish culture, listen, let me just warn you. If you ever show up to a Puerto Rican's house and they say, do you want more? In Spanish, it's quiere más, right? Don't, if, don't say a little bit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're bringing you a whole plate bigger than the first one. All right? So trust me, the boy eats. But I, but I love the fact that, that he wasn't this fragile baby. He was born about 10 pounds. And, and I remember I, I treated him, him as such. Like I would throw his behind onto the couch. Just literally pick him up, throw him up on the couch. He would bounce around. <laughs> Probably messed up his brain somehow, some way. But he found it very fun and hilarious. And, and I remember I used to throw him up in the air and catch him. And, and this kid was fearless. He would, I remember putting him on the counter and he would just jump into my arms with no fear. Until one day, I didn't drop him. I didn't drop him, but I didn't catch him right. You know what I'm talking about? Like it was one of those catches where he got hurt when I caught him. And then the next time he did it, there was this hesitation. There was this hesitation, so I broke my son. But I believe that we're all born with this sense of, like, we naturally trust until it's broken. Until it's broken. In a more severe case in my life, um, I was in a relationship, and just to be vulnerable with you, there was a lot of problems in this relationship. And there was some acts of infidelity and and, and I grew up, I grew up with this statement, and maybe you grew up in the same way. Once a cheater, oh, you grew up with it too, huh? Once a cheater, always a cheater. But, but my, my, I couldn't reconcile that with my theology, right? At this point in time, I was an adult, and I couldn't reconcile it. I said, I need to extend forgiveness. I don't feel like it. I've been programmed otherwise, but I need to extend forgiveness. So I forgave this individual, and unfortunately, it was trial after trial, and I fought for the relationship, and I, and I didn't quit on the relationship until the relationship quit on me. And it was tough, and it was hard. I'm just going to keep it 100 with you. And, and, and ever since then... Ever since then, I promise you, I'm never going to be one of these pastors like, hey, like, do everything that I'm doing because I'm still struggling in the same areas you're struggling in. All right? My halo is just as crooked as yours. In fact, mine's a little rusty. <laughs> and, and so to this day, I'm still recovering from mistrust because I'm human. I know what Scripture says. I know, I know it's the truth, but I still recover. So, so poor, poor Jill, my wife, Right now, she's, she's over in Seoul, you know, uh, being there with that family. And, and, but, but to this day, she is a very faithful. If you know anything about Jill, man, when she does something, she does it. She does it, right? So when she decided to do Mike, I mean, no. Do this relationship with Mike, 
that too. She sticks to it. She sees it through and through. She doesn't quit. Hopefully there ain't no kids in the room. You get what I'm picking, right? She, she's, a, she's a tenacious person. And, but still to this day, I have this lie that I have to fight in my head to say maybe one day she's going to get tired of me. And it has nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with my brokenness. It has everything to do with my, my mistrust. Because somewhere down the line, someone broke my trust. And it made me feel so vulnerable for other people to damage my trust. Is anybody there with me this morning? All right. That is the framework that we're working on this morning. It's like, how do I trust people again? Because either your trust has been broken or maybe you're the person that has broken someone else's trust. And the truth of the matter is that's always going to happen because we're human beings. No, let me change that. You are spiritual beings having a human experience. And this human experience that we're carrying, and so the day we die, we're always going to deal with this element of we're hurt people and we hurt other people. So this is going to be heavy, but we have to go there today. We have to go there, and we have to understand what is real trust. And so some of you know my, 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 uh, my background. I have a background in pastoral counseling and in, in observations and studies of trust. Trust is built up of three components. So write this down. The three components are this, it's authentic. So that's the first component. The second component is logic. And the third component is empathy. So authentic, logic, and empathy, all right? So if, so if, I, if, I, if I got my teacher on right now, if I, if I had a dry erase board, I would draw a triangle and I would say, these are the three components of trust. If you have these three things, that is how we access trust. When we find authentic, is this person real? If I could establish if you're real, if you're being real with me, then I could trust you, right? Then the other leg of this is that, hey, hey um, is it logical? Does this make sense to me? It might make sense to you, but all because it makes sense to you doesn't mean it makes sense to me. It has to make sense to me in order for me to trust it. You're following me, all right? And then empathy. I have to know, do you care? Because it can make sense, but it doesn't matter to me if you don't care. So trust relies on those three legs, right? You know that, and that, that if a table, it can't stand on two legs, but it can stand on three legs. So that trust table stands on these three legs. But if one of those legs are wobbly, that's where mistrust comes into the picture, right? When one of those legs get a little wobbly, I don't feel like you're being the real you. I don't feel like you're being the real you. I heard a preacher the other day say, hey, now that there's no mask in church, we could go and address the other mask that were always in the church. That'll preach. <laughs> Authentic, are you the real you? Or is this the Sunday you? Y'all know about the Sunday you, right? Youth, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this, this, this dichotomy that we have. We have, the, we have the Sunday us, and then we have the us that, that, that when we're playing with our, our friends, right, or we're hanging out with our friends, completely different vocabulary. Don't front, we all know about it, right? We all know how your language just changes up the minute you step foot on that bus. It's completely different than the you that's in the classroom and especially the you that's here this morning in service. And don't think you graduated out of it because adults, I know about you too. I know there's a difference between the water cooler 
you know, people actually hang out around the water cooler anymore. Is there water coolers anymore? Well, how old am I? But there's a different version between the gossiping you around your workplace and the you that's here this morning. Raising hands, Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to talk crap on somebody on Monday. Completely different, right? So there's the authenticity and there's the logic. It has to make sense. Oh, it has to make sense for me to trust it. It has to fit in my line of thinking. It has to fit in my understanding somehow, some way. And then empathy. Do you care? Do you care? Those are the components of trust. And so we run into this dilemma when those things are broken, when those things are broken, then we are introduced to this phenomenon that we all experience is mistrust and broken trust. And so I love the the biblical definition of trust is this. It means this. It means the a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity of another person. It's the resting of the mind based on the integrity of another person. And that word integrity kind of sums up those three things, doesn't it? The fact that does this, does, is this person being real? That's integrity. What is integrity? Are you the same person everywhere at all times? Or are you different when no one's looking? Right? And, and logic, the integrity, the integrity also means strength. And so is there strength in your logic? Are you abounding in truth? Integrity, do you care? Do you care? Do you care about me? Do you care about the people around me? That's what biblical trust is really rooted on. And so one day, I was, I was, I was on one. Anybody ever been on one? You know what I'm talking about? You've been on one? Mr. Jordan's been on one. Anybody else been on one? Right? You just, like, you just start spiraling, and everyone, everyone and everything gets on your nerves. Are y'all real holy today? Don't make me. I'm going to call you out. They messed up and put more lights in this room. I can see you. Just been on when everything gets on your nerves. And then, and then so, I'm, I'm, and, and, and someone asked me the other day, it was like, it was about a, a few months ago, and, they, and uh, let me just tell you who it was. It was my wife. She loves to preach to me. And she always comes up with these profound things. She's like, I'm never going to preach, but she preaches to me. If you're never going to preach, then stop preaching to me. But she said this phrase, and it, and it just hit me. She says, you can be upset and angry and still trust God. And can I be honest with you? You know what my internal mechanism said? I said, yeah, mom, I might not trust him either. And I was like, ooh, wow, that was my response. And so I had to wrestle with that. Is that too real for some of y'all? Some of y'all just got mad uncomfortable. Good. <laughs> Elder Mike said, good, get uncomfortable. That, my, I didn't want to say that, but, like, that's what I said internally. Maybe I don't trust him either. So then I started studying this and wrestling with this and praying through this, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering that if our trust issues go deeper than just people. I wonder if our trust issues go deeper than just people. Because it's very rare, it's very rare that you find a person that, that just says, I, I don't trust people, but I trust God. It's very rare. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. But in now my 20 years of ministry, I've never found someone that, that struggles with their trust in people and doesn't also simultaneously struggle with their trust in God. So maybe the issue is not just I don't trust people. Maybe the issue is I just don't trust, period. I just don't trust, period. And the more we become aware of that, the more we'll be able to address that issue in our lives. Is anybody with me this morning? 
So today what I want to do is I want to kind of pull back the logic on that. Okay, I don't trust people. And I want to propose something to you. And I want you to, again, at least wrestle with it. You might reject it, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you rejecting what I'm about to propose to you. But some things that, again, through my personal wrestling, through my study of Scripture, I, I, I came up with this proposal today, and I want us all to wrestle with it together. Can you do that with me, church? So let's peel back the logic. And point number one, ready? What if I don't need to trust people, but I do need to love them? What if I don't need to trust people? And I'm not saying trusting people is wrong. Bless your heart if you have tons of people in your life that you trust. It's a luxury. Good on you. That's a luxury. Praise God for that. But what if, what if I don't need to trust people, but I do need to love them? What if? Let's try this on. Let's look at it through the lens of Scripture for a second. Psalm 118, it actually says this. Verse 8, it says this, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's not demonizing trust in man, but it is better to take refuge in God than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. That's what Scripture tells us. Here's another one. Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. But we trust in the name of the Lord. Here's the last one. Proverbs eleven twenty eight 28 says this. Whoever trusts in his riches. Now it's talking about trusting even in yourself. Trusting yourself. He who trusts in his riches will fall. Come on, man. We will fall if we trust in ourselves. But the righteous flourish like a green leaf. What do the righteous do? They don't trust in themselves. They don't trust in people. They trust in the Lord. So what if, what if I haven't found a verse that mandates that we're supposed to trust people? I haven't. Again, I'm not demonizing it. Let me say that a third time so you make sure it is very clear. I'm not demonizing. I want you to eventually trust people. But what if it's a luxury? What if the only biblical mandate that we have is that I don't need to trust people, but I do need to love them? Hello. So some of us, if we're asking the question, how do I trust people again? Maybe that's the wrong starting point. Maybe how do I start loving people again? Because we're not off the hook of loving people. I don't care. Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't care how hurt you are. We're still called to love people. We've allowed ourselves. Let's, let's stop it. Let's stop it. No longer can a Christian, a person who is called by God, and we're called to make disciples of all nations, and we're called to be a light into the world, and we're called to go, go into dark places. We don't have the luxury. We don't have the luxury to claim pain as an excuse not to love people. I don't need an amen for that one. I don't. It's the truth. And it hurts. We don't need that, right? But we're all called to loving people. And this is what loving people requires. I hope you're writing this down because we're going somewhere. Loving people requires us to create space to offer the other cheek. Man, I'm about to throw my shoe at you, Pastor Mike. Loving people requires us to create the space to offer the other cheek. Let me explain what that means. 
Some of us who grew up in church, we understand what that means. Jesus said, if someone smacks you on your face, he says to offer the other cheek. Jesus, you crazy. Because Jesus, I ain't no punk. Mama didn't raise no punk. Offer the other cheek. Now listen to me. Scripture is not telling us to be a punching bag. Scripture is telling us to be more like Jesus. And when he says to offer the other cheek, he doesn't say go get smacked again. When you're offering the other cheek, you're creating the space for that person to change. You're creating the space for that person to show you otherwise. You might have done this to me before, but my opportunity that I'm giving you through the love that Jesus has shown me, hello, that I need to turn around and extend that space to you and offer the other cheek. It's not easy. It's not easy, but honestly, this is how we actually learn how to trust God. Most of us, we have attached our obedience to the level of our trust in God. When actuality, can I also challenge that, is that sometimes in order to be obedient, we don't have complete trust in God. In fact, obedience is where we learn to trust God. So I I create this space in obedience. Okay, I'm going to give this person another chance. I'm going to give this person another chance because that's what I'm called to do. That's how I'm currently loving you. I'm giving you this other chance. I'm not going to be a punching bag. And this doesn't mean that you don't eventually set up boundaries. It doesn't mean that you don't eventually work on, hey, I'm giving you, sometimes creating space because, hey, listen, you've you've broken my trust, but I'm going to give you my expectations of how you could earn my trust again. That's a boundary. But you're still vocalizing, hey, listen, you've, you've broken my trust. This is how you can earn my trust. I'm creating the space of love for you to make sure that you can have the space and the, and the lane to, 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 to repent, the lane to make your 180 and, and change all this. I'm creating the space for you to change. But sometimes we have to be obedient to what the word has called us because it's in the classroom of obedience that we actually learn how to trust God more. Y'all getting this? And my trust in God needs to be strengthened when my trust in people is being tested. Can I say that again? My trust in God needs to be strengthened when my trust in people is being tested. And this is what we do, because when we live in mistrust, and if you're anything like me, keep everybody at arm's length. Keep everybody at arm's length. And, and, and not only am I a person who's constantly recovering from mistrust, I'm constantly recovering from RBF. Anybody there with me? Right? This is, I just look like this. And sometimes people interpret me as like, he's, why is he so mean? Why is he so angry? And you know what makes me angrier? When people say I'm angry. So it's this vicious cycle that I'm stuck in. Right? So, so, so I'm recovering off of that. And, and, and I would keep people arm's length. And here's what I found out. I found out that you could feel safe, and that's what we're really doing, right? When we've been hurt, our natural tendency is to create boundaries, to create spaces, not for people to change. We create space for us to feel safe. You're following me? We create space to feel safe. But this is what I figured out. I figured out that you can feel safe and be miserable at the same time. Hello? Have you ever found a person that was just like, I don't trust anybody? Ha <laughs> ha. I've never met that person. Usually, I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust nobody. I don't trust nobody. Never, it's never from a joyful person, right? 
So you got to pick. Are you going to choose the feeling of safety, which, by the way, you're not safe. It's an illusion. You're not safe because you're still hurting yourself because you still require intimacy with people. It's not good for a man to be alone. So it's an illusion. You're gonna, are you going to choose the illusion of safety or are you going to choose the possibility of joy? But we're called to love people. So loving people means that I need to give them a chance to change. I need to create that space to change. In Matthew uh, verses 18, Peter was showing off and he was asked Jesus, how many times do we forgive my brother? How many times do we forgive our brother? And back then the rabbis used to have this like three strike rule. You, you would pardon somebody three times and, and that's enough. And, and so Peter was showing off, he goes seven times. He's like, I'm gonna double it and put one on it. I'm showing off. This is the, that's that ridiculous grace you're talking about. And then Jesus took it to a whole nother level. He goes, no, 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 seven times, 77 times. Does that mean 490 times? So you, anybody start counting? Anybody got a tally on your spouse? You, yeah, that's 378. You better slow your roll. Right? No, that's not what he means. He just means, hey, perfection times perfection. We're supposed to have unlimited grace towards people. That's what loving people means, to create that space. And then also to, to love someone that we need to constantly put them in God's hands. Let's be real for a second. Uh, when I say put them in God's hands, this is the hard part, because we love to make people pay for the pain they've caused us. Right? We love to make people pay for the pain they caused us. And, like, I, I am not a vengeful person, but I plan it so well in my head. Anybody else there with me? I never do it. I never do it. I can't. I'm a professional Christian. I'll get fired, you know? But in my head, like, ooh, if I wanted to get back at you, ooh, ooh. And I plot it in my head, you know? It's crazy. Like, especially as a pastor, like, people just say stuff, and it's, like, completely not accurate. And they forget that you know their secrets. Ooh. I don't do it, though. But I plan these revenge plots in my head. And then I, I crucify it. Thank God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise break. Dun, 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 dun. I crucify it. But loving people, not only do you just practically create the space for them to change, but you also have to constantly put them in God's hands. Constantly. Put them in God's hands. Remember, I'll tell you, I'm constantly recovering from mistrust. And so, I, 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 you know, unfortunately, because of social media, we still have access to all of our enemies. <laughs> and you see them when they're flexing. Right? You see them when they're flexing. You see them when they, go, when they go dark on social media, that means something's, something bad's happening in their life, right? <laughs> Whew. Right? You kind of get excited about it, and it's like, and, and, and this is what you got to do. You, this is what you got to do. Because, again, I'm just, I'm preaching Scripture, all right? I'm being honest with Mike, but I'm preaching the truth of Scripture, and we're to pray for our enemies. And so what I need to do is I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. And this is what revenge is. Revenge is you paying yourself back for what was token, taken from you. That's, that's what it is. That's you paying yourself back. But the problem is that it's on a spiritual level, and we're all spiritually broke. And you're trying to pay yourself back. Meanwhile, God's like, if you just let me handle this, not only will I change you, I'll change them on the, in the process as well. 
And this is, again, this is scripture. Scripture tells us in Romans, he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord's. It doesn't belong to us because we can't handle it right. He handles it right. So loving people, I create the space for them, and then I got to put them constantly, every day, every moment, every hour, I'm putting them back in God's hands. God, they're yours. Vengeance is yours. Because here's, I've done a lot of marriage counseling, and, and I've watched people um, try to recover from infidelity. And, and sometimes, you know what it does? Sometimes, like, this happened recently, uh, last couple years, I was counseling one couple. They're not here, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, who is it? Who is it? I'm going to see the person who's just a scrowl and put their head down. That's them. No, they're not here. But I've watched the husband, he, he messed up, and counseling them and challenging them and discipling him, that actually became the catalyst for God to light a fire under his rear, and he's completely on fire for God. I mean, complete 180. This dude, I'm not exaggerating, he wakes up 6 a.m., and he's praying on the doors of all of his kids before they wake up, right? He's like, he's taking charge of his household. He's just doing an amazing job. He, he, he prays with his family, for his family. He's, he's, he's a leader in the church. He's doing great. He's doing great. Meanwhile, the wife is still bitter. And in fact, she's actually told me this. She goes, I remember just when he started getting on fire for God, I actually resented him for it. It's not fair. It's not fair, God, that he's all now hot for you and, and on fire for you and I'm still hurting. It's not fair, God. And this is why I told her, you need to put him, you need to put him in God's hands and you need to put yourself in God's hands. What are you going to choose? You have the best version of your husband now. I know he screwed up. He did. And we're not saying that that was right. I'm not saying that that was okay. We're not putting our stamp of approval on that. But it's your choice right now. You could choose to be safe or you could choose to be miserable. Which one? Are you, are you going to choose the freedom and, and, and the joy that God has that he's actually working on healing your marriage better than it was before? Better than it was before. You choose. But instead, we want to hold on to our mistrust because it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel safe. But let me remind you, your greatest enemy is sometimes you. So we don't need to trust people, but we do need to love them. I spent way too much time on that point, but hopefully you're going to grow from that. Number two, number two, Stu better hurry up. I got tickets to watch the Batman later. You need to speed this up. Number two, I don't need to trust people, but I do need to trust God. So the first one is like, I don't need to trust people, but I, but I do need to love them. And here, I don't need to trust people, but I, but I do need to trust God. And the problem is, trusting God, it becomes way more difficult when there's a lot of struggles happening all at the same time. Am I talking to anybody today? All right? Let, let, me, let me give you some trigger words. 2020. 2021. 2022 right? I just wish that life just gave you one problem at a time, don't you? Can I get a big amen in that? Just give me one problem at a time, right? Like, nah, pandemic, racial division, let's go. Right? Nah, nah, nah. Pandemic, World War III? Okay, yeah, let's just bring it. Let's just bring it. Anybody ever just wake up? All right, let's bring it. Taking it all off, let's, let's, just, let's just go. Let's go, 2022. It's just so many things happening, right? You saw me took my weave off. 
<laughs> my eyelashes off. I don't know what happened there. I just entered, woke up my inner grandma out of nowhere. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but right, so many problems hit you at once, and it's incredibly difficult to trust God. Can, can I get, yeah, can I get a yeah? You don't have to say amen, but yeah, when there's so many problems, it's incredibly difficult to trust God. And it's, with all these problems happen, here's the deal. It's either he trusts you a lot or you need to trust him a lot. That the problems that we have maybe is that God actually trusts that he's given you, he's equipped you with every spiritual need. Notice I said spiritual. Every spiritual need you need to make it through this thing. And not only make it through it, but actually grow in it. So it's either he trusts you a lot or we need to trust him a lot. But nonetheless, we don't need to trust people. Maybe it's just a luxury, but we do need to trust God. And remember those three components, right? Let's see if you remember. It's authentic, logic, empathy. When things happen a lot, right, we're getting hit left and right, front and back. Those, those legs start to wobble with our trust in God. Authentic, right? When things happen, that's where our doubt increases. God, are you even real? Come on, please don't tell me I'm alone. God, are you even real? In college, I, I, they made us read um, the memoirs of, of, of Sister Teresa, Mother Teresa. And in her memoirs, she, she expressed this deep sense of doubt in God because of all the pain and hurt she's front row to in this, on this earth. And, and a lot, I remember all my fellow college students, they were just in this, like, I don't understand. How can she doubt God? I was like, I can. Some of y'all haven't gone through stuff yet. Let's be real. When you go through that amount of stuff, of course that leg starts to wobble. Are you even real? Second one, logic. God, what are you doing? For real, you really think I need this right now? Let me keep it 100. God, yeah, I'm trying to leave this church. I'm trying to leave two locations. And my one guy over there, his, his brother-in-law dies, and then both sides of his family has cancer? What are you doing? You don't make sense to me right now. That leg's starting to wobble. Empathy, do you even care? I love this. Even the disciples asked that question. Remember there was a time where Jesus was in the boat with them, and there was a storm. And what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. Jesus was taking a nap in the middle of a storm. And so they woke him up, and they said, Jesus, don't you even care about us? Don't you care? Come on. You could be physically with Jesus and still have those legs wobble. Still have those legs wobble. But we still need to focus on growing in our trust in God. So, remember I said that trust is the, the peace of mind that we have in regards to the integrity. I think that word integrity is important. So let me ask you this question. What's God's integrity in your life? What's his integrity in your life? And this is where we need to go. Remember, we're peeling back the logic here. So, if he is God, and again, you're off the hook. If, if you're like, I'm just checking this church out. I don't even know if I believe in God. You're off the hook. I'm talking to those of us who grew up, and, and you're here today, and you say, I believe in God. In God I trust. It's all my money, and it's all my heart, Jesus. Right? This is, I trust in you. So if he is God, if Scripture is true, if he is love, and if he is always near, we have to believe. We have to believe that any disconnection that I have with him is on me and not on him. We have to believe that. Because if not, if we're putting the responsibility always on God, a God who's always loving, 
who's always near. We talked about this. Even if I make my bed in hell, the Bible says he is there. The Bible says that he's near to those who are brokenhearted, right? Where can I escape from your love? Your love never fails, God. So if he is love, if he is truth, if he is always near, then any disconnection I feel with God is not on him, it's on me. Whoa. That means I'm responsible for this? Yes, you're responsible for this. And again, remember, you could be upset and angry and still trust. Let me talk to the married couples real quick. You ever been like arguing with your spouse, but you still have to live with them? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're in the kitchen trying to make breakfast or whatever. It's like, you want some coffee? Yeah, okay. Right? You're mad, but you're still living with them, right? Let's do that, church. Let's do that. Maybe you're mad at God today. Still continue living with them. God, can you pass me the sugar? Yeah, I'll pass you the sugar. Okay. Still continue living. Still continue having intimacy with God. It's okay. He's a big God. He could handle you being upset. But I feel like that disconnection, because what we do, trust creates these gaps. Right? That's what, when we have mistrust, it creates a gap. And that gap has to be on us. So what we do is when you feel that gap, we just lean farther and farther away. Farther and farther away. Rather than leaning in. When we say that word, leaning, we said it during worship. Hey, let's lean into God. That's what that means. There's a gap here that we're trying to manage and supervise here. And we want to close that gap. And God's always pursuing you. He's always pursuing you. So that gap that you feel is actually the one that you created, not him. It has to be our responsibility. And I believe that is the key missing ingredient in growing in our trust in God. If there's a gap, God, I know it's on me. And I could easily just turn around and run towards you in Jesus' name. You could be mad at him. Be mad at him. I love it. Be mad at him. You want to know why? Because you can't be mad at someone who's not there. When you're mad at him, that means he's actual, he's there. He's a person. Be mad at him. That means he's still active in your life. And work hard. When you have him in your proximity, the last thing I'll say on this point, work hard on your healing. Again, when you hold on to that victim card, and it's, again, I feel sorry for you, for that person who damaged your heart. I, I, I empathize. I sympathize. I hurt with you. I promise you that. But there's a point where we have to let go of the victim card. And so what does your heart resonate more with? Is your heart a hurting heart or is it a healing heart? Answer that question right now between you and God. Do you have a hurting heart or do you have a healing heart? Well, what's the difference, Pastor Mike? Here's the difference. If you have a hurting heart, you're holding on to that bitterness and there's pain there. A healing heart is that you're wrestling with that bitterness and there's pain there, but you're on your way to be better. So watch this, you could have a hurting heart and have no healing, but you could have a healing heart and still have some hurting. Y'all pick up what I'm laying down? Physically, if, if any, of you, any of you have ever recovered from something physically, like, like a few, uh, more than a decade ago, I donated a kidney to my little brother. And I remember like it, it, as I was healing, I just experienced so much pain, mostly because the morphine wore out. But the healing process still consists of pain. 
It still consists of pain, but I was working towards getting better. Some of us, we're not working towards getting better. We want to be justified in my bitterness. I want to be justified in my anger, so I'm going to hold on to this pain because it makes me feel better. Does it? Does it? It doesn't. It might give you the illusion of control, but it doesn't make you feel better. So maybe we're not called to love people, but we are called to trust in God. Last one, and y'all ain't going to like this one either. Number three, I don't need to trust people, but I do need to be trustworthy. Come on. Come on. You telling me everyone around me could act shady and I can't? Maybe I don't need to trust people, but I do need to be trustworthy. Write this down. You can only be responsible for what God has placed under your stewardship. You can only be responsible for what God has placed under your stewardship. Right now, he's placed your attention under your stewardship, so keep it here. <laughs> Some of y'all just went all the way. <laughs> right here. <laughs> You can only be responsible for what he's placed on you. So you can't be responsible for how that person acts or how that person responds or how that, how, how the level of that person's repentance, right? They said sorry, but I don't believe them. You could only be responsible for what God has placed under your stewardship. And the more we focus on that, and it's not this selfish thing. It's not that I don't help other people's character development at all, but I need to first focus on my character development. And what's the point of you coming here on a Sunday and growing your theology if your character's not being developed? Here's what I believe. Good theology will always lead to good character. I have never met someone that's like so close to Jesus and so far from people. That doesn't work. Good theology leads to good character. And being trustworthy doesn't mean that you're always right. Being trustworthy means that you always care. That you always care. And so we're still called to be trustworthy. <laughs> Pastor Mike, that is so hard. That is so hard. Can I get a break? Yeah, that's called the Sabbath. You get one break a week. <laughs> but the rest of the week, we're called to work. And the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so maybe you came here today and you're like, man, I just... Don't trust anyone, man. I just don't trust anyone. If you feel, I'm looking at every person in the eye right now, if you feel like you're a child of God, if you're called by Jesus, can I challenge you with this last story from Scripture? Luke chapter 22. It's on the night Jesus was betrayed. The Bible says in verse 41 that he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed to his father. And he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. We're about to have communion together. Remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And this is crazy. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So the emotions that Jesus was feeling in this, in this moment was so intense that he was sweating blood. But I want you to notice his prayer. What was his prayer? And I'm going to paraphrase it in modern day context. 
He's basically saying this, Father, Father, can I quit on people right now? Can I quit on people? I'm about to go to the cross for your people. Can I quit on people right now? Because let me tell you what they did. They betrayed me. One of my, it wasn't just the crowd that betrayed me. One of my close teammates betrayed me. They're saying negative things. They're speaking lies about me, God. They're not for me, yet you want me to be for them. Father, can I quit on loving these people? And what do we learn from Jesus in this moment? That we have to get permission from the Father to quit on people. Father, can I quit on loving my son? He doesn't get it. He's still on drugs. And can I quit? You got to get permission from the Father to quit on people. Father, can I quit on loving my spouse? They keep on cheating and they keep on acting up. And can I quit? You have to get permission from the Father to quit on people. Father, I quit on your church. They're fake. They're plastic. They're holier than thou. I can't stand them. It's the same crap every single Sunday. Father, can I quit on your people? You have to get permission from the Father to quit on people. To be like Jesus. If you don't want to be like Jesus, you're off the hook. But to be like Jesus, we have to get permission from the Father. Not permission from me. I don't have that power. Not permission from yourself. You don't have that power. We have to get permission from the Father to quit on people. So how do I trust people? I don't know. (laughs) What I do, it's a luxury. What I do know is that you're called to love them. What I do know is we need to work on trusting God more. And what I do know, when all the trust is broken on the world, we're still called to be trustworthy people. That's all I know. That's all I got for you this morning. And maybe the byproduct of that, no. The byproduct of that definitely will be unity, healing, joy. It might even produce more pain, but pain that reveals the glory of God more and more in our lives and in the lives of those around you. That's what we can encounter.